It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. Pastor Jack King, I am your host and... Well, it's a wonderful time that we have here on Sunday mornings here on 94.1 where we bring the gospel through talk. And uh, as I say, it's a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and all that God is doing in his glorious kingdom. Been doing this for a while. This is show number 1067 today. And today is Palm Sunday. Well, the day we call Palm Sunday because it's the day that we look back and we reflect on the uh, triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into the city of Jerusalem, which led up to the events of the crucifixion there on the cross of Calvary. And uh, as we look at this today, I'm going to take you on a little journey, and uh, I believe that you'll be intrigued by it all. But first of all, let me tell you, uh, I have a few rules on the show. We don't talk sports, politics, doctrine, and we always speak well of one another, and that's served us very, very well over all these years of doing the show. Now, I like having guests on the show, and I would invite you that if you are involved in Christian ministry— to call me, let's set up a time for you to be the guest on the show. And we'll talk about your passion. That's what I tell people all the time. I said, you come sit down with me. We'll talk about the passion of your heart, what God has called you to do in the realm of Christian ministry, and we'll get excited with you. <laughs> and uh, I find that a lot of times when people come and begin to talk about their passion, they get excited all over again. And many times I think it affirms what God is doing in their lives. So this is your invitation. If you'd like to be a guest in the future, call me area code 850-567-1703. Now I'd like to invite you to church. I am the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry. We're at 720 Capital Circle Northeast at a storefront there. And visitors, well, we just love visitors. <laughs> we'll make you feel very, very welcome. Bring the family. 1105, uh, you've got plenty of time to get there. You can listen to the rest of the show and still have plenty of time to drive on over to 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We're right down the road from Easterwood if you're heading toward Park Avenue on Capitol Circle, and you cross over Easterwood, which is where you turn into Tom Brown Park there. And you're just a little ways. Uh, look for us on the right-hand side of the road. You'll see our sign out there, uh, Freedom Road Christian Ministry, and turn in right there. And like I say, we're in a storefront, but uh, we'll make you feel very, very welcome at Freedom Road because, uh, well, people are very important to us. God loves people. And so do we. Now, 
in the day and age in which we live, there's a always a talk of conspiracy. And uh, it's all around us and both sides of the political perspective. There's lots and lots of things that uh, causes us to kind of lend our ear and kind of lean in. We want to hear what this is all about. What's going on behind the scenes in this conspiracy? Well, we're going to talk about conspiracy today. And uh, because, as I said, this is Palm Sunday. And uh, we read in the scripture about how that Jesus rode into the city on the cult that no one had ever ridden on before. And there were crowds of people. And they were excited about Jesus Christ coming into the city because they had grandiose ideas of what this all represented because they saw the potential of a man who could, uh, who could uh, command the respect of the multitudes and that he would lead them into glorious victory to cast off the, the Roman Empire. And uh, oh, they were excited. But it's interesting, and uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed so much about my daily Bible readings is reading the Gospels over and over again because I keep finding these little nuggets as I go along. And so I'm reading the story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 19, about this great event, Jesus Christ coming into this city and all the things that's about to take place. But listen to this. They're saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they were shouting this as kind of like a chant. And it was just like the, the, the whole heavens were ringing with this crowd of people who were shouting these things. But listen to this. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. <laughs> they didn't lack all of that uh, praise and uh, accolades going to this man. And so they said to Jesus, Jesus, Tell the multitudes to hush and listen to what Jesus said. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, are you ready for this? The stones will immediately cry out. Ha <laughs> ha. Think about this. Here are these Pharisees. They're there among the crowds of people, but they weren't rejoicing. They weren't shouting. They weren't praising Jesus. No, they had other things on their mind. And we read about this 
all the way through the Gospels. It's very fascinating. But the truth of the matter is, it even goes further back. You go to the book of Genesis and you'll find that there was conflict and uh, God even proclaimed then what the end result would be of those who would oppose his son. And he said that the, uh, the seed of the woman shall be bruised by the heel of the serpent. So you find that this conflict had been going on for a long, long, long time. But now, here we find uh, the time of victory is near. I also find it to be interesting how that uh, this ministry of Jesus Christ so interrelates with the ministry of John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist, as the scripture has declared, that he was the forerunner of Christ. And the uh, scribes and the Pharisees and the high priest and all of these, they didn't like John either. And neither did those who were in the hierarchy of the governor or of the government because John, <laughs> every time he had a chance to, to talk about Herod, he kept reminding him how that he had stolen his brother Philip's wife. And he had no problem shouting it out to the crowds as he was preaching his sermons. And they finally arrested him. And you know what happened when that young woman came in and, and uh, danced for Herod. And he was having a birthday party and he was probably intoxicated. And he made that crazy proclamation when she danced and he was so pleased by it. He says, ask anything you want and I will give it to you even to the half of my kingdom. And I make the case, that's a good reason why people shouldn't get intoxicated with liquor because they say stupid things and they do stupid things. But he was caught by his own words. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist because her mother had put her up to it. And Herod felt like he had no choice. So he ordered it done, executed John the Baptist. So now the stage is already set. People hated this message of redemption, this message of salvation, this message that John the Baptist preached of repentance and hope. And uh, John had already said, he said, uh, there goes the Lamb of God. And if you read in, in, the, uh, in the Gospels, it talks about how that, that there were followers of John and uh, they were listening to the preaching of John when Jesus walked by and John had said, Behold the Lamb of God. And said some of the disciples of John left following John and started following Jesus. And one of those was Andrew. And then, of course, we know that Andrew went and found his brother Peter. And then, then their friends, James and John, that all became followers and leaders of Jesus Christ. So now, 
we have this conspiracy. Because as we know, the ministry of Jesus uh, began up in the area of Capernaum, up in the regions of Galilee. And uh, we read in the, uh, as the uh, scripture gives us the, uh, the record, now that he began his public ministry at the River Jordan, and there he was baptized with John. And of course, the heavens open and says, it's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Mark in his gospel says, then the Holy Spirit drove him to the wilderness. And there the 40 days of fasting and the temptation as the enemy came and confronted him and how that Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God defeated Satan even then. And then from there, the gospel leads us to the synagogue where he goes and they bring to him the scriptures. And he reads those beautiful words from Isaiah. Behold, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And thus, this glorious uh, ministry began. But I find it to be intriguing to me that it tells us in the Gospel of Mark that uh, after he had called Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, he took them with them with him to the synagogue. And uh, there Jesus was the preacher there that day. They asked him to speak. What I find to be intriguing about this is that at that point of his ministry, his followers could fit inside of a synagogue. Well, it didn't stay that way. Because then we began to read about the, uh, the miracles, beginning as John tells us in the second chapter of John, there in Cana of Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And then he healed the nobleman's son. And then people begin to take note and uh, where that little group that could fit inside the synagogue, it, it got to where that was getting harder and harder to do because the crowds were getting bigger and bigger. And there were those in Jerusalem who began to get word of this man named Jesus. And they heard about his miracles. And they heard about the healing of the sick. But the thing that concerned them the most was these crowds of people who were coming to his meetings and listening to his teaching. That's what was getting them all in a ruffle and getting them all disturbed because crowds meant influence and influence threatened those who had the influence who had the power and did not want to lose that power and so they were threatened they were threatened because they feared that he would draw the people away from them. So they began to plot. And uh, this is the conspiracy. 
because they they convened their councils and they said, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This man, he's, he's getting way too much attention. And these crowds are getting much too big. Something has got to happen. And so they schemed and they plotted as they sit in their rooms. Isn't that why he came? That's the old paths here this morning on the Gospel on the Radio talk show. We are just taking a look at the conspiracy that was surrounding Christ Jesus as he entered into the city of Jerusalem that day. There were a lot of things going on behind the scenes. And we read about how that there, uh, as it's described in the Gospel of Luke, the Pharisees were saying to Jesus, they said, stop the crowds and stop all of this noise and all this commotion. And Jesus said, if they don't cry out, then the rocks will. Now, what I find also to be interesting in all of this is that how it is that the different groups began to uh, come together. Because these are people who normally didn't like each other very much. <laughs> they all had their own uh, concepts of what power and authority was all about, and they wanted all of it. And they didn't want to share this. But this threat had become so strong and so intense that they were all threatened by it. And they, they, they knew that if they didn't come together, they wouldn't be able to stop this thing. And so we read in the, in the uh, Gospel of Mark, it says, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 6, and he says, they took counsel with the Herodians. Now, who are the Herodians? Well, this is just another group that had grown up during the days of Herod who, who took on themselves roles of authority and spiritual, in other words, they were great spiritual leaders with the intent of controlling and dominating people. And this is what all these groups were about. They were about controlling the masses for their own benefit and their own greed. And Scripture talks about the, the Pharisees, the uh, Sadducees, the uh, priest, who uh, even though we find that the priest goes back to the Levitical order, even before that, during the, the, uh, the times of Aaron, but it had become political as well. And, uh, and so we had the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests, and uh, all of these different groups who uh, wanted to control. And uh, they were threatened. And so they would meet together and they would talk about, well, what are we going to do about this man by the name of Jesus because he's becoming more and more popular. And uh Jesus would, would stand up on the side of a mountain or he would uh, get into a ship and they would cast out into the water just a little bit to kind of separate himself from the crowds. And sometimes for hours on end, he would just be there just preaching to the people. 
And he would bring these tremendous messages about hope. And then it's, it's kind of like what you could imagine in some of the, the great revival meetings of our modern day within the last century or two where people, well, that would be somebody who would, who, would, who would hold great meetings in tents or, or wherever, or outdoor, and they would preach, and then they begin to minister to the people. And that's what Jesus would do. He'd, he'd preach a tremendous sermon, and then he'd start touching the sick. And people were bringing sick people to, to these meetings. And you can just imagine what, what some of these meetings look like. Just all of these people who were afflicted with all these things and, and their loved ones were bringing them and helping them to get them there. And then Jesus would just go through the crowds and he would begin to touch people and they would get healed. And then we have that day when uh, it describes to us in the Gospel of Luke, this man, they they went up to the area he called the, the Gatherings. And uh, here come this man, and I'm telling you what, if, if you or I were to meet him somewhere, it would scare the daylights out of you. I mean, I can only imagine what he must have looked like. I mean, long, stringy hair. I, this is how I've envisioned this in my mind. Probably foaming at the mouth and uh, virtually unclothed. And he's screaming out all kinds of profanities. And then the scripture says he began to recognize Jesus and began to call him Lord. And uh, I, I would imagine that everybody else was scrambling for safety somewhere, even including the disciples. But Jesus wasn't intimidated at all. The scripture says that he spoke to the man. He says, uh, who, who are you? And he says, I'm, I'm legion. He says, because there are many, many devils in me. And then the demons that were inside of this man began to cry out. They said, please, 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 don't, don't kill us. And uh, Jesus commanded them to go into a herd of swine. And they said there were 2,000 pigs. And, and they were all affected by these demons. And they, and they began to run down this cliff. And they went into the water and drowned. But now, can you imagine when that story began to circulate? <laughs> I mean, people were even more intrigued and more curious. And the crowds got bigger and bigger. And those who were in power, they saw it. And they became even more threatened by the things that they were hearing in their reports there in the city of Jerusalem. They were hearing about these things that were going on. And uh, they said, we got to do something. we got to stop this man. There's got to be something that we can do. Came calling. That's the Booth Brothers here this morning on the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show on a Sunday morning. Palm 
Sunday. And uh, I trust that you are going to church today. I would just hate to think that uh, there'd be some of you out there who would uh, miss an opportunity to be in the house of God on Palm Sunday. Now, if you were to say to me, well, Pastor King, I would go to church, but I just don't know where to go. I just don't, I don't feel comfortable. I don't, I don't like the idea of just walking in among a bunch of strangers. And, well, I've got the remedy for that. Come to Freedom Road, and uh, I'll be there. And you know me. You hear me every Sunday here on the radio, and uh, we'll just be friends. And you won't feel uncomfortable at all. And I'll make sure that you feel comfortable because that's important to us at Freedom Road. We want people to feel welcome. And so, 720, Capitol Circle Northeast in the Crescent Park Plaza. If you head down Capitol Circle toward uh, Park Avenue, you'll cross over Easterwood. That's where you turn into Tom Brown Park. Just keep on going, and you'll see our sign there on the right-hand side. Just turn in there. We're in the storefront. And uh, like I say, we'll make you feel welcome at Freedom Road. Let me just take a moment to remind you of the youth camp and that's coming up July 18 through 22. It's a youth camp for ages 8 all the way through 18. We're on two camps side by side, 8 through 12, 12 through 18. And it's a ministry that's designed to touch the hearts of young people to help them grow in their faith. And if they're outside of faith, then they'll hear the word while they're there. And we'll be praying for them. So we need your young people there. Help us. Help the young people. If you know of a young person, get them registered. Help them with their fees. And perhaps maybe you'd just like to just help financially with the camp. Then uh, contributions, send them to 526 East 8th Avenue. Make checks out to Christian Youth Ministries International. And be one of my prayer warriors. Would you do that for me? Would you pray over this camp, July 18 through 22? And also, I want to remind you to join me Monday through Friday here on 94.1 for the daily broadcast, a daily teaching of the Word of God, 11 o'clock. And then on Saturday nights, it's a Saturday night gospel sing, a great time of Southern gospel music for a full hour. And uh, you'll be blessed. That's uh, Saturday night, 7 o'clock. A lot of good things going on, and I just appreciate you so much for tuning in on these uh, Sunday mornings. We have a good time here. But we're talking about conspiracy today because they were conspiring. The people who were in these positions of power, and they saw this huge movement taking place up in the regions of Galilee, Crowds were following this man by the name of Jesus. He was performing miracles. People were being healed, casting out demons and devils. Oh, my. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The crowds are getting bigger and bigger in their beginning to be more and more threatened. And we read in the gospel of Mark how that they would send people up to be in these meetings with the intent of disrupting the meetings. 
And you read about it again in the Gospel of Mark. He tells us all about it. He says they come with a purpose. They're 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 finding words that he might be saying, and they're looking for ways to accuse him. And anything that they could do to to disrupt, they were right there in the midst of it. And uh, uh, that just sounds so modern day, doesn't it? It really does. But this is what they were doing. They were sending these people up, and they were there with intent of bringing disruption to the meetings. Now, one of the things that I found to be uh, a little intriguing and a little bit funny to me, now this is just my weird sense of humor, but you remember the story about the four men who brought their friend to one of the meetings. And, and I, I've thought about this many, many times, and I love to preach about this, because how long did it take these four men to get everything prepared to be able to put their friend on this conveyance, whatever it is they were carrying, some type of a stretcher, where the four of them would be on the four different corners? We don't know how far they traveled, but they were in on seeing their friend healed. They got to the meeting and they couldn't get in. Jesus was, was preaching in a house, the scripture says. And people were, I mean, the room was full. People were just crammed in there and they were standing all around the house. And you can imagine how these four men must have felt. They said, here we've come all this way, and they were not going to be dissuaded. And so somebody of those four came up with the idea, so I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go up there, and we'll tear off part of the roof, and we'll, we'll, we'll let our friend down in front of Jesus. And that's what they did. And they, they, they tore out the roof, and, I, and I, I've, I've talked about this the other day in a sermon. I said, can you imagine, here Jesus is preaching and all this commotion is going up on the roof, and then all of a sudden here comes these <laughs> ropes and letting this man down. Jesus looked up and he commended those men's faith. But here's what I find to be intriguing about this. When you read about it, they're sitting on the front row. Here, 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 all these people were wanting to get in this house to hear this sermon, and there on the front row it says, there were the Pharisees taking up the space of people who really wanted to hear the message. But they were right there, ready to accuse. And they did. They found fault. And this is what Jesus was dealing with. This is all about the conspiracy. But then, we read in the scripture, and John tells us about this in the gospel of John, about a man that Jesus described as being his friend, a man by the name of Lazarus. And, and I believe that there was a, a very special bond between Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. I've said a lot of times, I said, I believe that when Jesus wanted to just go chill out someplace, he went to their house. And uh, there was always good food and good fellowship. He loved Lazarus. The word came to him that his friend was sick, and the scripture says that he tarried four days 
before he went to investigate his friend. And when he got to the city of Bethany, Martha was distraught. And she said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And that's when Jesus said those incredible words. I am the resurrection and the life. And scripture tells us that he said, where have you laid him? And they took him to the tomb. And he commanded them, says, roll the stone away. And uh, they did. And Jesus spoke those words, Lazarus, come forth. Scripture says he came walking out of that tomb, bound with his grave clothes. Now, you think that uh, him casting those devils out of that wild man got the attention of the crowds? Here was a man who had been in the grave for four days and Jesus brought life into his body and called him out of that grave. After that, there were so many people coming to these meetings and uh, John tells us in his gospel, he says, they were coming not only to hear and see Jesus, but they also wanted to see Lazarus. It's just, it's just amazing. That's just the nature of people. And we find this recorded in the scripture that this is the 11th chapter of the gospel of John, that after this happened, there was a council convened made up of these groups, the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the, uh, the priest, and they, you know, I can just, I can just see the meeting. They, their, their, their hands are, are being, you know, they're doing that little thing with their thumb and their, and their fingers. They're just, they're just worried. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And as they talked it over, they came to the conclusion, we've got to kill him. That's the only way we're going to be able to stop him. We've got to kill him. And so now they're making their plans. They're plotting their plots. They're convening their councils. They're talking it over. They're trying to find a way that they can cause this man to be stopped by putting him to death. And so as time is moving on now, crowds are just huge. And the words that Jesus is speaking is just, it's penetrating hearts. And then he begins to talk about in his sermons about his impending death and how that uh, he would rise again after three days. And everybody was scratching their heads and going, what's he talking about? This can't be. Because they have other plans for him. But Jesus is beginning to explain to them what the Father's plan is. 
He says, I've got to leave. That's it. Mark Trammell Quartet. Christ paid it all at Calvary. Uh, we're talking about uh, Palm Sunday. We're talking about the conspiracy because they conspired to kill him. And that was their intent all along. Now, I just want to tell you, um, next Sunday morning at uh, Freedom Road on Easter Sunday, we're going to be having a special presentation. And it's a play that I have written. And it just pretty much just goes back and just goes through the whole time up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and through the crucifixion and to the tomb. And uh, it's uh, pretty powerful. And I'm going to read that for you next Sunday here on the broadcast at 8 o'clock. And then at 11.05, you can come and uh, see it at Freedom Road. So I'm giving you a heads up on that. Look forward to that. And uh, uh, when I wrote this, I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit as as God began to give me the words. So I think it'll be a blessing to you. So I'm telling you that so you can make your plans to join us on Easter Sunday morning at Freedom Road Christian Ministry 720 Capital Circle Northeast. Check us out on the web, frcm.us. You can find this there. So they convened a council after the uh, resurrection of Lazarus. They saw the crowds. They were so threatened. And they so we've got to kill him. We've got to kill him. But they had to find a way to do it. Because even when they finally did come to get him in there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus himself says, he says, why, why are you doing this here in the dead of night? He said, you could have done this at any time. He says, I've been very visible. And he'd been in Jerusalem for several days at that point. He says, why didn't you just come and just take me? Well, I'll tell you why because they were afraid of the multitudes. So they needed an opportunity when he was away from the crowds. But how are they going to do it? Well, Jesus knew all about this. He knew about their plotting. He knew about their planning. And he knew about Judas. Because he'd even said this. He said, uh, one of them is a devil talked about his disciples. He said, one of them is a devil. And uh, Judas had gone, we find this recorded in the Gospel of Luke, he had gone and he talked to them about it. And uh, he'd made his deal, 30 pieces of silver. He said, I'll deliver him into your hands. And uh, so he began his plotting. Interesting thing about Judas is that we really don't know where he came from. It's interesting that, that in some of the disciples, we get descriptions of, of their backgrounds, a little bit about them. Some of them we do not. Judas is just mentioned. We don't know much about his background, but we do know this. That is, the uh, times of ministry were taking place and people were putting money into the ministry. Judas was the one that, as described by Scripture, that carried the bag. Simply means that he was the treasurer. And uh, I've known of people like Judas that money just means a lot to them. And uh, their lives are driven 
by money and the pursuit of it. And uh, the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And in the heart of Judas, there was much evil. So it wasn't hard for those who sought to kill Jesus to convince Judas to become a part of their plan. And so he sold him out for money, for exchange. And we find it in the scripture how that there in the, the room where Jesus has said, he says, I long for this time to spend with you men. And uh, he looked at Judas and he said, uh, that which you have to do, you do it quickly. And, and, and the men in the room overheard him talking about betrayal. They said, well, who, who is it? And Jesus said, the one that I dipped the sop with. And they all began to say, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Jesus knew who it was. What you must do, go do it quickly. But you see, even in the midst of that, his timing was impeccable because there was much work to do before the trial. And that was Gethsemane because there was a great battle that took place in that garden. There was a war that affected all of the dominions of the universe. The war between the devil and God's son. Scripture says that God sent angels to bear him up because this battle must be won. Oh my goodness. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, there's love like I have never known. Jesus Christ, he prayed through in that garden. And when he was done, he he came out, and uh, of course there were those disciples who he'd asked them to pray with him for one hour. Of course, Scripture tells us that they were asleep. And he says to him, he says, just go ahead and finish your sleep because it's finished. He looked out across the garden, and there come torches and swords. He saw them. People's faces begin to emerge. And there leading the crowd was Judas. He came, he kissed him, and with that kiss, he betrayed the Son of God. And those who had conspired, they thought, well, we've done what we set out to do, and we've stopped him. But oh, they were so wrong. They were so wrong because we know that Jesus Christ, he endured the tortures of the trial and the cross. 
but he wasn't finished. And he is alive today. Victory has been won. If you're outside of faith this morning, you need to consider this because Jesus alone is the way to eternal life and the wonders and the glories of heaven. Father God, I pray over this audience today. Each and every one, Father God, I pray for their souls. I pray for their lives. Father, I pray for the families, Lord, that a hedge protection be about them, Father, that each and every one would come to a saving knowledge of who Christ is. Father, I pray over my country. I pray, God, for your kingdom. I pray, God, for our churches and for our pastors. Lord God, let them have a wonderful anointing as they preach today for their pulpits. And Father God, we pray. We pray for Jerusalem, the streets of Jerusalem, for peace. And we pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next Sunday, may the Lord bless you.